the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I know a place where we can go. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs, a local community faith program from 100.7. The Word. Welcome to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier. Thanks so much for listening. Hope that you're doing well, that your day has gone well. Just want to remind you, Crosswalk Colorado Springs is Monday through Wednesday from 5 to 6. I have a good friend with me, Pastor Rich Bailey. He serves on our pastoral team and has been a huge, huge blessing. He has 31 years of pastoral ministry and was our Ellicott campus pastor and really pioneered that campus and now has rejoined us back at the the central campus. So thanks so much for joining me, Rich. Well, thank you, Pastor Eric. It's a joy to be here, and I'm looking forward to just a fun time talking about ministry. Yeah, you bet. I love uh, your perspective of ministry and life, and you've got so much uh, to offer. thought it would be cool if we could just allow the listeners to get to know you. Uh, so share with us a little bit about your life, You know how you met Diane, how you came to know Christ as your Savior. Okay. I was from a very broken home, and so I went to multiple schools. And my senior year was a new school, and being a renegade, uh, even though they placed everybody alphabetically, um, this Rich Bailey got placed next to a Diane Travis in a study hall. (laughs) And so we stuck up a friendship, uh, struck up a friendship, and we just had a great time getting to know each other in study hall, even though we weren't supposed to be talking. We did a lot (laughs) of it. And... uh, um, Went on our first date in January of okay. that year, and a year later, we married. Wow. Yep. How old were you guys? 18. Okay. <laughs> so right out of high school? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Vietnam was going on, and so that kind of was a thing. And yeah. So uh, totally unsaved, both of us. Okay. Uh, as I said, kind of a renegade for me. Yeah. Uh, buying into a lot of the lies of the world at the time, and it. Being the 60s, there were a lot of lies to buy into. Okay, yeah. <laughs> How many years have you guys been married now? 51. 51, congratulations. Yes. Yeah. That, that, that's awesome. Yeah. So where did the journey go from there? You're 18, you guys don't know the Lord, and how, how did you guys end up coming to Christ? Well, uh, military. Okay. And uh, we ended up overseas in Okinawa, Japan. And there, there was a ministry for the military. And through that, my wife ended up trusting Christ as Savior mm. there on the island of Okinawa. Um, and when we got back, me not being saved, me not trusting God as Father, you know, really believing in and all of that, I just continued my own life. And she continued to struggle with the children and going to church and mm. praying for her husband mm. and wanting me to go. and. Um, I finally went and heard a message on all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Mm. And uh, it was really heart-opening. The Holy Spirit really worked on me during that time, and 
after that uh, service, I went out and cried before God for about two hours, trying to mm. think of everything that I could think of as a sin to be forgiven and mm. to trust Christ as Savior. I still struggled with my walk with God. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no thing, nothing called mentoring or discipling at that okay. point in the church that I was in. Uh, the thought was, you're saved, life changed. <laughs> you're good to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and that certainly didn't work in my life. Mm. And so uh, my idols I still chased mm. uh, until God interrupted my life again. Mm. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And then how did the call to pastoral ministry develop? Well, um, in 1983, uh, um, I was really, whoa just filled with woe because I knew I was failing as a Christian. I knew I was failing as a husband. I knew I was failing as a dad. And during a very critical time in my life, uh, God just broke my heart with Psalm 8611, uh, which declares, teach me your way, O Lord, and I Mm. will walk in your truth Mm. and unite my heart Mm. to fear your name. Uh, those three phrases just radically changed my life. And uh, because I wanted to be teachable, I really did. Mm. Um, and in that moment, within 18 months, um, I had bitterness for my dad. And mm. God made me face that mm. and pull out that root of bitterness mm. to be reconciled to my earthly dad. Uh, which was just a joy and a miracle. Mm. And then within 18 months from that, I'm off to school, married with four children mm. uh, for ministry. Bible college, seminary. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Uh, it, back then it was called um, Baptist Bible College in okay. Clark Summit, uh, Pennsylvania. It's now Summit University. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and God worked on my heart there. Uh, there, I did not think I was worthy enough to be a pastor because of my history. Mm. Uh, in unsaved life and my idolatry in saved life. Mm. Uh, but some men just gathered around me, and I began to learn what mentoring and discipling was. Okay. So that had to be a pretty crazy season of life. You've got four young kids, you're working and going to school, trying full-time. to juggle all of that. Doing it all full time. Mm. And really, I would leave the house about six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning, and not get back until 1 o'clock the following morning. And wow. really, only a dad on weekends. Okay. Uh, we developed dates with dad. We did a lot of things to try to preserve family during yeah. that time. Yeah. Uh, and I made a commitment not to do any homework at all on the weekends uh, while the kids were awake. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. God is faithful. He got yes, you through he it. Is. <laughs> well, I'd love to pick your brain uh, and just your... Walk with the Lord in your pastoral uh, ministry. I know you continue to do a lot of marriage counseling and have done mm-hmm. a lot of marriage counseling. Like, yes. what would you speak into marriages? You know, mm-hmm. for husbands and wives, how, how can they invest in each other? Okay. I think the key is the first great commandment: love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If individuals within a couple within a marriage would really focus on that. And mm. then realize they are their closest neighbor and love each other God's yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, it will make a tremendous difference in their lives. And that way, they have to add practical steps in their daily walk with God and with each other for that mm. to be true. Yeah. 
it really does have to focus on the Lord first. Absolutely. You know? I think a lot of people are like, how do I fix my marriage, grow my marriage? And mm-hmm. it's really focusing on that relationship with Christ first and, yep. and drawing near to Christ because you can't do it apart from him. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was the big thing for us. Diane and I agreed that uh, we earnestly wanted our children to come to know Christ. Uh, Stephen was 12, mm-hmm. you know, and so uh, when I became serious about my walk with the Lord and okay. God intervened in my life, and then I'm in school, and so yeah. I'm an absentee dad between 12 and 16, and our heart was, ah, oh, man, we're not sure he's going to walk with the Lord. And, yeah. And so our, our goal was for the two of us to love the Lord our God and for that to be evident at home and that we loved each other. Yeah. Uh, that way as well. And so we could be that example to our children. Yeah. That's awesome. That That's powerful. I'm sure there was a lot of change that happened in those years. <laughs> like your family was already pretty well established and then you started walking with Christ and it was like, okay, Jesus, like there's some work that needs to be done here. Oh, yeah. yes. For the weekend, not to be self-serving, which in my idolatry, I played a lot of ball. Uh, yeah. I would play 140 games a year, 130, 140 games a year. You're like a pro player. <laughs> yeah. And so so there wasn't any time for church or anything like that or family, Okay, uh, really, on the weekends. And for that to all change drastically to where church became important. Yeah. And we would actually talk about the messages and the Sunday school services yeah. together. Sounds good. That is where we developed our family, what we call family devotions, were out mm-hmm. of those messages because I was still uh, unsure of myself in Scripture. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I'm talking to Rich Bailey from Rocky Mountain Calvary, picking his brain on pastoral ministry, marriage, and family. We're going to head to a break, so stay with me. You're listening to 100.7, The Word. Times I've called your name some broken night And you showed up and patched me up like you do every time I get amnesia Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Thanks so much uh, for listening. Really enjoying uh, today's interview with Pastor Rich Bailey from Rocky Mountain Calvary. He serves on our team and has been just a huge, huge blessing. 31 years of pastoral ministry, does a lot of counseling in marriages, and so really picking his brain about marriage and family. You know, Rich, uh, we've talked a little bit about putting the Lord first before your marriage, uh, but say that's in place, you're really pursuing your relationship with Christ. Let's talk a little bit about how these roles in marriage play out. I think some have maybe never heard it or don't know what it means. What does it mean for a husband to love his wife as Christ loves the church? And what does it mean for a wife to submit respect to her husband? When when you're doing counseling, how do you coach those two roles? <laughs> the bottom line is it all starts from that approach to God. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? And I think the easiest way for a husband to start loving his wife is Christ loves church, is to intercede for her. Mm. I highly encourage every couple Mm. to start praying together. Yeah. And it needs to be the husband praying over his wife, Mm. asking that God would protect her, 
that mm. God would use her, that she would be blessed by God. She mm. would see how much God loves her, uh, how he uses her in the children's life if they have children, yeah. all of those things. And I encourage them to actually do it while they are embracing, uh, mm. feeding the affection of the woman, mm. uh, as well as just to reassure her that this is real. Mm-hmm. And she can tell by body language whether or not he's being sincere or not. Right. And so I highly encourage every couple to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's the first step, I believe, for the husband to love his wife mm-hmm. as Christ loves the church. That, that can be a tough step for us men. Huge. Because I think it feels awkward to maybe pray out loud. Absolutely. You know, uh, and a lot to, to overcome, but... Mm-hmm. I think wives are really longing for that. They do. They long for that covering, and mm-hmm. they're not concerned with if your words are right or how it sounds and all of those things, you know. She is just relishing being loved. Yeah, yeah. God's way, and that's a key step Yeah. for me in the counseling and how I do it. Diane and I do it all the time. Yeah. Um, it's something we developed. Nobody coached us to do it. Right. Uh, we just developed it. I mean, even last night. Uh, Diane uh, crawled in bed and said, you didn't hug me and pray for me. I go, yes, I did, honey. And she goes, oh, that's right. I yeah. remember. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, we do it, you know, consistently. What I love about that, if, if it becomes consistent in a habit, it's not something that you just do in times of turmoil. Absolutely. Or kind of a get out of jail free mm-hmm. card for the husband, but it's a regular part of your relationship through the joys and the valleys yep. and just becomes a, a very natural part, but it's got to start somewhere. It'll Absolutely. probably start awkward. <laughs> yes, it will. And, yeah. and I tell them that, yeah. you know, and so even in the beginning, I, I just encourage them. If you can do it just twice this week in between our two counseling sessions, uh, it'll be awkward. It'll be funny sounding and everything else, but just try it. Yeah. And, and we'll build on it. Yeah. From there. Yeah. You shared when you came to Christ, there were some habits of the weekends were kind of Rich Bailey time yes. instead of serving the family. Absolutely. I think we struggle with that as husbands, as men. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you coach men to love their wives by you know, esteeming them better than themselves and kind of reframing their worldview, if you would? <laughs> <laughs> well, the key part is um, not being so involved in what the world offers, hmm. but that's be good. involved in what the family needs. Yeah, that's really good. And so when we do that, it starts with in what I call spiritual talk, to where the husband and wife actually sit down and talk about spiritual things, mainly scriptural things. Hmm. And so I put the burden on the husband, and I give him a lot of different tools. iPhones are great with Bible apps. Yeah. And a lot of plans there. I, I've selected maybe six that hmm. encourage them to try this Bible plan, listen to it. You can listen to the devotion yeah. and hear something that maybe God would use in your life to share with your wife. That's good. And start that spiritual conversation about godly things and about his word. Yeah. It's sometimes it's easier than we think. Like if you're going to church together for the husband to say, hey, what did you think of the message? Absolutely. How did God speak to you about it? Or were there things that you were confused about? Mm -hmm. Or, hey, this is what I really got out of the message, Mm -hmm. you know, and and then also to do that with our kids Mm because 
they, they've gotten something at youth group. They've gotten something in children's ministry to ask them like, hey, what did you think? You know, Absolutely. Uh, That's where we started as a family. Uh, Sunday dinner. Yeah. Uh, share with us one thing you learned today about Christ from God's word, whether it was in Sunday school class, the message or whatever. Yeah. And we would go around and we would each share. Yeah. Uh, even when I became a pastor and I'm teaching, uh, you know, or preaching in right. the morning, uh, this is what I learned as I studied. Yeah. And we would take those six things and we would build on them throughout the week as the children were in school and coming home and their their events and everything. We would just build on those. And so I introduced myself to a strong concordance real fast. Yeah. So that uh, I could start developing that throughout the course of the week. And so I had to put in time to be able to have those evening talks where yeah. we could bring in something from what one of the children said or Diane said or myself of what we learned about our great God. That's really good. This is a little dangerous for us to do because Amber's not here and Diane's not here. Yes. But when you're counseling, how about for wives submitting to their husbands and respecting their husbands? Like what? what's a good starting place in that role? Oh, well, the starting place has to be where the husband is respectable. Hmm. Um, and that's a challenge if hmm. the husband is not saved yeah. or doesn't want to walk with the Lord. Yeah. Uh, either case, it's going to be challenging. But just to love him unconditionally is what I encourage them to do. It's hmm. good. You love God, you know, passionately pursuing him. And so just love your husband and all the flaws and all of the difficulties that happen. I mean, Diane was loving me as a very angry man. Okay. Her responses to me radically changed. Huh. Instead of pushing my buttons to get me angrier, hmm. she would say simple things like, oh, Rich, I know you don't believe that. Okay. Or I know you didn't mean that. Yeah. Um, you know. She'd kind of disarm you. Yeah. yeah. Totally disarming and things like hmm. that. And I saw that as submitting to the Lord. Yeah. As unto the Lord, and then wanting to see a change in me and yeah. God work on my heart. And for me to see Christ in her, that first Peter 3 uh, thought yeah. of what uh, God shares with us on how wives ought to live with their husbands, even when they're uh, bitter, yeah. angry people. That really takes uh, the unconditional love of God, like Absolutely. being in communication <clears throat> with Christ and Christ <clears throat> giving that that love and I guess from a husband's perspective, when your wife does respect you, it means all the, <laughs> means everything, you know, Absolutely. It, and, and to, you can have a lot of people disrespect you, but when your wife admires you and respects mm -hmm. you, just like a wife yeah. really longs to be loved, mm -hmm. a husband longs to yeah. be respected. She became such an encourager hmm. right away. She literally uh, would take the difficult things of of life and really spread them out without saying God has this. Uh, and so after I became saved, I'm I'm looking at her and I said, "You prayed for me a lot, didn't you?" <laughs> she goes, "Well, I prayed for me a lot too, yeah. because she wanted to respond to me in a biblical manner as she was learning how to be a Christian wife." Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and uh, so her prayers for me, God answered in yeah. a powerful, powerful way. That's really good. Rich Bailey's with me today. He's on our pastoral team at Rocky Mountain Calvary 
talking about marriage and the roles of marriage. And as you're listening, God summed it up, husband's love and wives' respect. We're going to tackle the question of how Rich has seen God restore marriages after we come back. So stay with us on 100.7 The Word. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7, The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Hope that you're doing well, you're enjoying your day, your commute is uh, going well. Rich Bailey is with me from our pastoral team at Rocky Mountain Calvary. 31 years of pastoral ministry, been married for 51 years, God's blessed him with four amazing kids and grandkids. And I would love to hear from you, Rich, just uh, how you've seen God heal and restore some marriages in your years of pastoral ministry. Because I'm I'm sure there's some listeners that are like thinking, my marriage is too far gone, or either considering divorce, or we're just going to be roommates. You know, I hear a lot like, well, we'll stay together until the kids are older. But we've really seen God heal and restore marriages. He's the God of the resurrection. So do you mind sharing with us how you've seen God move in marriages? Oh, God, he does and he desires to, and he's pleased to do great and wonderful things in marriages. Uh, God loves marriage. He's the one that instituted it. He's the one that brought it about. And he just loves them. And he loves it when a man and a woman who are married start pursuing him. Hmm. And with that, they will start pursuing one another again. Um, The biggest thing, again, is to insist that you're going to be intentional in your own personal walk with Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. and that you're going to allow that to spill over intentionally into one another's lives to where you have deeper conversations. Uh, where you have a great time praying together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diane and I found that we became each other's best friend. Yeah. In beautiful. the midst of yeah. all of it. And we just enjoy being together. Yeah. Uh, whereas in the beginning years of our marriage, unsaved, it was a chore to be together. Hmm. You know, sometimes yeah. I actually yearned to be someplace else rather than home. Yeah. Which is really dumb. Yeah. Uh, but, once Christ got a hold of our hearts and we began pursuing him and pursuing him together intentionally, then life changed. When couples see that that is God's design, that he yearns to have this beautiful walk with them individually and mm-hmm. as one in Christ, yeah, they begin to see him really at work in their own hearts as well as the hearts of their spouse. Yeah. And they receive these blessings and joys mm. uh, from it. And so when they they start developing that kind of a relationship with God and with each other, God does amazing things. Healing wounds from unfaithfulness. Yeah. I have had the joy of remarrying three divorced couples wow. that went through ugly. Yeah. And then getting to sit down with them hmm. and start talking about healing and restoration. And it didn't happen overnight. Yeah. But 
what a joy to be a part of God's great plan to see healing take place. Yeah. Uh, to where I remember in one of the remarriages, um, the husband had been just unfaithful in so many ways. And she stood there and said, today I'm marrying my best friend. Wow. I began crying. Yeah. You know, and they wrote their own vows. Uh, the last time we were back east, uh, they now had been remarried eight years. Wow. Oh, Pastor Rich, Diane, you've got to stay with us. And so wow. we stayed with them. Wow. And you could just see the joy in their marriage, their joy wow. with one another. They actually were having fun. Yeah. As a married couple. That's so cool. And, yeah. You know, from the world's perspective and a lot of Christians' perspective, you know, repeated unfaithfulness would be the nail in the coffin yeah. in a marriage. And often it is, but Christ can do it. If, Absolutely. If two hearts turn to him and mm -hmm. choose to embrace forgiveness mm -hmm. uh, and repentance, uh, God can, can really, really heal. It's never too far gone. Absolutely. Yeah. He is a God of reconciliation. He yeah. has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Mm -hmm. And even though the hurt and the pain is real, uh, I believe that God can yeah. and still does bring that healing and uh, focus back on himself. It's so beautiful to watch. Mm -hmm. That that root of bitterness seems to yeah. really prevent that. Mm -hmm. First, there has to be rep repentance of sin, Absolutely. and then there's got to be forgiveness. Mm -hmm. You know, for those listening that are going, I'm really struggling to forgive my spouse. Mm -hmm. Maybe they do have a repentant spouse, but they're, they can't get past those experiences and images mm -hmm. of sin. You know, how do you encourage people down that road of forgiveness and letting go of the bitterness? Yeah. The letting go is the biggest challenge, and I often remind them of laying your gift at the altar and go be reconciled, mm. you know, in Matthew's gospel, and wanting them to have this beautiful relationship with God. Um, because if we regard bitterness in our heart, I believe it's like Psalm sixty-six, eighteen. If I'm regarding iniquity in my heart, uh, He will not hear. And if I want a vibrant mm. prayer life, yeah, uh, a one that is truly mm. effective, then I need to lay aside the bitterness. Mm. Yeah, I need to look at them through the eyes of Christ. They are forgiven. The blood of Christ has covered their sin. Uh, did they wound me tremendously? Absolutely. But God can heal that. And yeah. God starts healing that when we look at one another that way. I'm confident that's the way Diane looked at me hmm. in forgiveness and yeah. um, began healing her heart and life. Yeah. Wow. That's really powerful. Sometimes we have to extend the forgiveness and start to see somebody through the lens of forgiveness even before they've acknowledged their shortcomings. Like, in your testimony with Diane, she started treating you in forgiveness before you had acknowledged your your sin. You yeah, know? Absolutely. Yeah. I didn't even know what repentance meant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh and that's I was so biblically illiterate, you know, never yeah. being to church or anything. And so um yeah, God did a lot. <laughs> yeah. How about parenting? You know, you guys raised four kids and yeah worked with a lot of families, you know, what, what encouragement would you give in the area of parenting? Okay. Uh, parenting is consistency, being on the same page together, husband and wife, as mm. far as the parameters, yeah. you know, what, uh, what the 
a punishment or what you know decisions decisions and all those things are going to be um i chose early on to also take that area of forgiveness and carry it over into parenting um i didn't know how to parent god's way Mm. and so if i blew it whether getting angry you know or punching something a wall or something right you know and i would not just say i'm sorry uh, I would have already dealt with it before the Lord, asking God to forgive me. And when I'd go to my child, I would say, listen, I, what I did was wrong, totally wrong. And I've asked God to forgive me, and I'm asking you to forgive me, please, you know, to be reconciled to my child. And then if it needed a teachable moment, then teach, Yeah, you know, is what God's desire was mm. and what frustrated me yeah. or whatever. And so once we started developing that and that kind of communication with one another as parent-child, things began to change Mm. um, big time. Yeah. You know, Stephen was the hardest because even uh, when he was 16, he was still considering me the biggest hypocrite in the whole world. And I earned it. Mm. And uh, wanting to invest in him, uh, I wouldn't even consider going into ministry until— I knew that Stephen wanted to walk with God, hmm. and uh, it took a lot of time. It took a lot of um, begging for forgiveness and hmm. uh, and being an example of loving him mm-hmm. uh, the way God wanted me to. Yeah. yeah. It seems so simple, but I think we can really miss that sometimes as Christian parents, the, the importance of, of loving our kids with God's love, with unconditional mm-hmm. love. There's a place for a lot of the techniques of parenting sure. that get taught a lot, mm-hmm. um, but the foundation of that is is love. You know, I mm-hmm. think of First Corinthians thirteen yeah. that love is patient and love is kind, and I know what got hold of my heart in life was the love of God mm-hmm. and asking God to give us that unconditional love to our kids and and display that love uh, for them. Um, and I love what you said about the humility of acknowledging our own sin. We're going to come back to that. So we're going to head to a break and we're going to come right back with Pastor Rich Bailey on 100.7 The Word. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. I have Rich Bailey uh, with me. He's on our pastoral team, 31 years of pastoral ministry, and he was sharing with us some nuggets on parenting. Right when we left off, Rich, you were saying that you didn't ask your kids to ever do something that you weren't willing uh, to do. Tell us more about that. Well, in the area of spiritual things, um, you know, I know some parents can... uh, require their children to memorize or to write out scripture or things like that. Uh, if I wanted a child to memorize scripture, I memorize scripture with them. Yeah. Uh, wanting to grow together and talk about the scriptures together. Yeah. Um, and um, never wanting it to be a disciplined thing. Uh, mm. We would never take away youth time from mm. our children if they needed to be disciplined. Yeah. In any way, we always found other areas of life to maintain the spiritual integrity uh, the best we could yeah. uh, within the family and always, again, get back to loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah. Uh, that was a focal point and became yeah. a focal point. 
so much so that we uh, also created the thought a promise is a promise. Okay. And so everything within the family, um, starting at the age of 16, they were allowed to come into uh, adult decision-making. Yeah, that's uh, good. To be a part of it uh, and let them have a say, even if it was meant to be moving yeah. from one place to another. So if you guys were moving as a family, yes, if they were 16 or older, they got to input in on that decision. Absolutely. Yeah. Where we would go, what we would do, all of those kinds of things, and then surround it with prayer. Now, yeah. we were going to be praying about these decisions yeah. and things like that. And so uh, earnestly wanting them to understand that it's all about Christ, first yeah. and foremost, and walk with him, and that covers every area of life yeah. that we walk through, whether it was a little four-year-old or a 16-year-old. Yeah, you know? good. And our children were all four years apart. And okay. so at one point, we had a 16-year-old, 12, 8, and 4. Okay. So, so you were raising kids for a lot of years. Yes, and putting them through college a long time, too. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, you know, you get... One paid, and then the next one would start, just kind of domino. Yep. You were paying college tuition a long time. 20 years. <laughs> Between mine and theirs. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, Rich, I would love to just hear from you, like on a personal note, as a pastor, you know, what are some of your greatest joys or have been some of your greatest joys of pastoring and some of your greatest difficulties as you kind of look back uh, mm-hmm. in the rearview mirror, you know? Mm-hmm. What are some joys that stand out, and what are some difficulties? Okay. Um, the first two churches I pastored had been churches that had been through ugly, church mm-hmm. splits, sin in the pulpit, all of those things. And those are always hard to come into, but God has called me not only to pastoral ministry, but I believe to a healing pastoral mm-hmm. ministry to reestablish his testimony within the communities. And to watch the testimony in the community change just because of God doing what God does best. Yeah. And to bring glory back to him, Mm. true highlights, Mm. to really bring healing in people's lives between a church and a community uh, was wonderful. Um, In our first church, uh, we decided to go to a, a, a fireman's Friday night fish fry. Nice. And when I sat down and began meeting the people across the table, they asked me what I did, and I said, well, I'm the new pastor down here. <laughs> they immediately stood up and moved away. Wow. That's how bitter the wow. community was towards uh, that. But to watch God intercede and intervene hmm. was just sh- nothing short of a miracle. Yeah. And what he brought within the community and the church and to be a part of God's design for that and to see all of that healing take place, uh, seeing people trust Christ as Savior and lives radically changed is always a blessing in ministry as well. Yeah. Uh, both churches were also bent on traditionalism and to where tradition was almost doctrine okay. to them and to change to a more modern uh, methodology within ministry and uh, to hear some of the false things that they would share. Uh, that was the hard part, the like hurtful the expression part. of music, like going yeah. to a more contemporary yes. type, that, those type of issues. Yeah, and rather than having three services on Sunday to have one service in small groups. 
say. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. stuff like that. Just changing the methodology a little yeah. bit. Uh, and I'm a firm believer from day one in small groups yeah. within church, even though our church was a lot smaller than RMC. Um, but firm believer in it and yeah. wanting to establish those things, but recognizing family can't, families can't have another night out or another time right. out of their busy week. And so sacrificing this to create something better. Yeah. Is yeah. the way we looked at it. And There's definitely some sacred cows in the church, huh? Yes, there were. <laughs> uh, but those those were the biggest challenges the of bringing transition yeah. uh, to a church. But yet, in the end, biggest blessing. Like our second church had zero children. Hmm. Zero. They even had taken the nursery and made it into a food pantry. And um, they knew that if they called me to be their pastor, transition had to happen. Yeah. And, um, I mean, we had, when God called me away, uh, we had 32 children in K through 5, and we had four babies in the nursery and five uh, ladies that were pregnant. And so God had just brought the transition. Our median age had dropped tremendously, Mm. Uh, not because— we did anything different other than how we did the methodology and just stick to God's word. I was a huge proponent of verse by verse teaching hmm. even before I met you. Yeah. Uh, that is what drew me to Rocky Mountain Calvary, hmm. drew, drew us when we moved to Colorado Springs. Uh, I'm a firm believer in it hmm. and uh, I believe it's scriptural. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so uh, God used that. Yeah. Tremendously. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks thanks for, for sharing. We got a couple minutes left here. I'd love to just hear, you know, what is like your favorite book of the Bible, if you were to pick one and maybe like your favorite chapter, you know, like a, a favorite section and your favorite book. So Okay. Uh I love the prison epistles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and choosing between Colossians and Philippians. <laughs> it's a tough choice. It's tough and hard. Uh, but I believe it in Philippians, though you have Ephesians, which gives you mm. the whole realm of Christian life yeah. wonderfully in yeah. those six chapters. Uh, I love Philippians because I believe within Philippians, Philippians 4, 1 through 9, mm. you have a just a synopsis of what church life ought to look like. Yeah. And so that's one of my favorite passages. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, when you're gone to Israel, I'm praying about actually teaching on those nine verses yeah, on a Wednesday great. night. Yeah. Uh, just looking at the practicality that is mm. within it because it covers church life. Yeah, that's So awesome. specifically. Yeah. Yep. I know it's a hard question, but how about a, a favorite section of our favorite chapter, you know? A favorite chapter? Yeah. Um, when you look at Ephesians 4, that's my life, putting off, putting on. Yeah. And putting off the old man, putting on the new man, understanding what it means to grieve the Spirit of God. Mm. Uh, I am thoroughly convinced in my personal walk with God, I am either walking in, living in, being led by the Spirit of God, so the fruit of the Spirit is evident or I'm grieving or quenching him in my life. And so uh, wanting to be there, being led by the Spirit of God is so key. Yeah. And so I believe that Ephesians 4 is a, really a core part of living that way yeah. for God's glory. Well, Rich, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for being part of our pastoral team and loving the Lord and loving your family, loving God's people. So 
Well, thank you, Pastor Eric. This has been a joy. It's been fun. Thanks for coming in. You've been listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Pastor Eric Cartier and Rich Bailey. want to remind you this does turn into a podcast. Anywhere you find your podcasts, you search Crosswalk Colorado Springs. So hope you have a blessed evening. Take care. Good night. Treasures that fade are never enough. And you came along. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.